um, talking about coal to oil liquefaction processes. Um, according to Shenhua Group, coal used for coal to oil projects cost only 10, 100 to 150 yuan per ton. This is back in 2010. China claimed that coal liquefaction projects were profitable. And so converting coal to oil. Uh, coal to oil technology is a way for China to cut dependence on oil imports and take advantage of 200 billion tons of coal reserves. Four tons of coal would produce one ton of petroleum. Fixed asset investment of coal to oil processing of one million tons of petroleum is uh, was 10 billion won. Shenhua Group invested 10 billion won to produce one million tons of petroleum. According to China Coal Research Institute, preparatory investment for related products may stand at a staggering 100 billion won. Coal liquidification takes place in two stages, coal gasification and liquid and gas to liquid. During coal gasification, air and steam are added to raw coal, which is heated to several hundred degrees Fahrenheit. The carbon in the coal reacts with the oxygen and water, producing carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, hydrogen, and methane. The second stage of the coal liquidification liquefaction is known as the Fischer-Tropsch process. The coal pro- gas is processed and filter and water or carbon dioxide is added to adjust ratios and passed over a catalyst causing the carbon monoxide and hydrogen to condense into hydrocarbon chains and water. The harbon- hydrocarbon chains can be used as a substitute for oil products such as gasoline, kerosene, and heating oil. Coal mines in Majata, Inner Mongolia, will use coal liquefaction technologies developed by the U.S.-based Hydrocarbon Technologies, HTI, a division of coal synthetic synfuels. U.S. Department of Energy classifies the process as clean coal technology. Plans are to build three direct coal liquefaction plants in Shandong coal fields. Crude prices need to be above $20 a barrel. Uh, survey estimate means undiscovered volumes of 3.65 billion barrels of oil, 1.85 trillion cubic feet of associated dissolved natural gas, and 148 million barrels of natural gas liquids in the Balkan Shell formation of the Wilston Basin uh, Province, Montana, North Dakota. In uh, the end of 2007, approximately 105 million barrels of oil had been produced from the Balkan formation, a shell formation stretching north from North Dakota and Montana may have an estimated to 3 to 4.3 billion barrels of technically reserve, recoverable oil, according to U.S. Geological Survey assessment. The Balkan Shell Formation could attract investment. 
ensure clean and low-cost energy, create new uh, energy-related manufacturing, develop and deploy new cutting-edge technology, address infrastructure needs, transmission lines, pipelines, and power plants, promote energy efficiency and conservation, more energy-efficient building, Areas of interest, clean coal, shell, oil, and gas, electricity per generation, renewable and alternative fuels, purifying contaminated water, nuclear energy. Utah is an energy exporting state. Oil and gas, vernal tar stand uh, development, electricity, Two geothermal plants and wind turbines, 60% of Utah lands are controlled by the federal government. Um, on the east and west side of the White Rocks Canyon in the Uena Basin are bithium saturated outcrop. The main part of the deposit lies at an elevation of 7,200 feet. The valley area is mostly private land surrounded by three sides by the Ashley National Forest. The White Rocks River has eroded through the deposit, forming a floodplain as wide as 3,500 feet. White River is a major tributary in the Duchesne and Green Rivers. The Navajo sandstone is bithium saturated in and around White Rock Canyon and is about 900 feet thick. Estimated by Peterson suggests that 100 million barrels of oil extracted, extractable from the Navajo sandstone. Utah tar sand resource consists of eight major deposits with a shadow oil reserve of 32 billion barrels of oil. This number is just staggering. Just Utah alone could power the United States for decades. The largest deposit is known as the Tar Stand Triangle, covering an area of 148,000 acres located in Wayne and Garfield counties with 16 billion bar oil PR string as 4.5 billion bar oil barrels of oil. Hill Creek has 1.2 billion barrels of oil. Sunnyside has 6 billion barrels of oil. Aspen Ridge has 1.5 billion barrels of oil. Circular Ridge has 1.5 billion barrels of oil. And White Rock has 0.3 billion barrels of oil. Oil richness varies from 100 to 300 barrels per acre foot. And so they use these sands that have oil in them and they put them in uh, high temperature retorters and they extract out the sand. So you get clean sand out, or relatively clean sand out, and uh, you get oil. The only water we use in the damp, clean sand and then goes back into the mine pit and actually helps uh, the reclamation process. Earth Energy Resources use a proprietary solvent for removing the oil. Snar said about one point. Five barrels of water are needed to produce one barrel of oil from the Utah tar sands. The company will be getting the water from deep water, deep ground water. You know, Utah tar sands have played such a small uh, part in the 
oil production in the United States. It's, it's very difficult to understand why uh, there hasn't been more production and uh, it's uh, not known. Most of the, the interest seems to be coming from um, South Dakota and from Texas. But the potential for Utah's tar sands to produce oil is phenomenal. How does a light bridge reactor work? Um, the seed rod is made of uranium and zirconium. So those are the rods. The blanket is comprised of thorium, uranium, fuel rods. I'm really excited about thorium. I like thorium as a fuel source. It's very plentiful in America. and uh, But the the main reactors for thorium have been in India, which is confusing why U.S. energy has not uh, moved to thorium, considering that nuclear uranium-based uh, nuclear energy has not been profitable, that it costs them every year to operate that because it's uh, high temperature, uh, high cost of getting rid of the spent fuel, uh, the operation cost, uh, you know, there's lots of maintenance on, on uh, uranium-based nuclear reactors. But thorium seems to be very exciting, and I don't understand uh, the why there hasn't been more um, money and resource diverted towards thorium development for a reactor. Uh, so the... So the ex, uh, excess neutrons from the CETUS subassembly interact with the surrounding thorium blanket rods, per, uh, producing the fissile isotope U-233. Uh, U-uranium-233 is a subsequent burned inside the fuel rods to produce power in the blanket rods. The main difference between the blanket fuel rods and the conventional fuel rods is material contained in the pellets. Thorium-uranium oxide mixture in the blanket rods versus uranium oxide in conventional uranium fuel rods. Alberta tar sand requires 220 gallons of water to produce one barrel of oil. The slurry is cooked using natural gas enough to heat 3 million homes. The bithium released benzene, 2 million barrels of oil are produced today. Uh, Nev Utah, N-E-V-T-A-H, says that there are 32 billion barrels of oil in Utah at a cost production of 15 to, 12 to $15 a barrel. Uh, so, if you look at the price of oil and the fact that it's over $90 a barrel, it would make you think that the cost point for making a profit for the oil companies would be $90 a barrel. But yet, if you look at tar sand production at $12 a barrel, and the fact that national oil companies uh, from around big global international companies control all the oil resources, it would almost beg the question of why do we have oil, I put our oil out into international pools. Why don't we just keep our oil in domestic pools 
where we could produce our oil at 12 to $15 a barrel. And um, it would be so much, then we would have a ready supply of oil to which we could then uh, reform our gasoline from. The system uses no water. In this, this NEV Utah, or N-E-V-T-A-H, uh, NEVTA, the NEVTA company process, they, they use no water. The tar sand is crushed. The sands come in contact with a non-toxic solvent in an enclosed extractor vessel and temperatures are raised to 300 Fahrenheit. The material is then passed to a wash chamber where the remaining oil is removed. The oil-free sand is dissolved with heat and cooled. The recovered solvent is recycled. Utah receives royalties from every barrel of oil. Talking more of this Utah tar sands, uh, Petrol Luxus separates the oil from the tar sands without toxic water in uh, telling pools. Petrol Luxus causes the oil to separate from the tar sands. In 24 hours, over 99% of the oil is separated from the tar sand. The environmental problems associated with tar sand in Canada would not be a problem using Petrol Lux Us. The technology is great. Utah has these technologies. Very uncertain why they're not developing it. Uh, Advanced clean technologies successfully completed pilot tests of oil extraction examples of Alberta tar sands. The process of separation achieved a high percentage of oil extraction. Tar sand samples from Alberta, Canada, and Utah produce oil extracts of 99%. BLM estimates that eastern Utah has 12 to 19 billion barrels of tar sand oil and 170.4 billion barrels of oil in the Alberta oil sands. Advanced Clean uh, Technologies is a subsidiary of American Petroleum Solutions. So, you know, it's interesting uh, when you look at the, the big players. You got Canada, you got South Dakota, um, and you have Montana. Um, why are they not producing more gas? And the main reason is they have to pipe the ga- oil or they have to drive the oil uh, to gas refineries. So it, it would make more sense if they could just refine the gas right on uh, at the source. So South, Carol, South Dakota is awaiting a $10 billion gas refinery, the first since 1970. It will take a 2,000-mile pipeline from Alberta to the SD Hyperon refinery. Hyperon will sit on 10,000 acres and use 12 million gallons of water a day. Hyperon will produce 200,000 barrels of gas and 160,000 barrels of diesel and 40,000 gallons of jet fuel a day. Canada has authorized 652 million cubic meters of water from the Athabasca 
Basque River equaling 172 billion barrels of tar sand oil potential. In 2008, Energy Alberta used 184.3 million cubic meters of water and produced 48.7 billion barrels of oil. Toxic telling ponds as big as a lake contain 1 trillion gallons of wastewater sold that uh, polluted the 160,000 ducks that have landed there have died. See, that's just, that's just not right. Um, that makes you upset when you hear things like that fact. To liberate oil from the tar sand, the bithium is blasted with scalding uh, water and slurped, uh, slurped off. It takes 4,400 pounds of soil to recover a barrel of crude. See, I think Utah could do a lot better with their technology. They don't require any uh, water in their process. So you see the light bridge reactor capable of producing electricity with thorium. You see uh, the Utah tar sands technology being better than the Alberta, uh, Alberta tar sands. It's a debatable now if you could say, okay, well, why can't Utah compete against Alberta? And um, I think in the future, the answer will be it should, uh, that the free markets should allow Utah tar sands to compete against Alberta and uh, use the, uh, much cleaner and safer technologies for extracting the oil out. Um, That's so, all you, you know. We we've been talking a lot about uh, clean coal. We're talking a lot about uh, um, um, the cost to get clean coal here. We're talking a lot about thorium as a preferred over uranium or using uranium. One thing that we haven't talked a lot about yet is um, um, the use of. Uh, fusion or um, using um, new forms of technologies to produce clean energy. And so you could look at, if you could produce, let's say, electricity like through fusion, um, and then let's say it dro- the cost dropped a thousand fold, so it will you know you're talking kilowatts at a fraction of a penny. Um, then vehicles would be storage devices for uh, electricity, just like in an appliance, like we have uh, cell phones. Uh, they operate, provide functionality for us, but they are storage devices of electric current. And while they have electric current, they continue to operate and provide functionality for us. And uh, cars and vehicles and trucks could be the same thing, viewed the same thing, once energy became thousands of times uh, cheaper. Um, one of the great thinkers of our day, which is uh, he's not, um, I don't hear a lot of, of um um, I don't hear a lot of talk about him recently, is Dr. Randall Mills. Now, Dr. Randall Mills 
he built a, a black light catalyst causing hydrogen to take a fractional quantum state for a small, uh, far smaller than ground state, less than the Bohr's radius. The, catalin, the catalyst is called Rennie, forming a cashmere geometry. The hydrinos produce 200 times more energy from the fractional quantum state. This is just such an amazing technology that I've just described here that uh, with, a, with a small amount of fuel uh, that a vehicle using this technology could drive almost endlessly, uh, like with a tank of fuel, maybe get 200,000 miles. So that then would cause transportation costs to just drop almost exponentially to nothing other than operation costs would almost go to zero. And uh, then what you'd remain with would be the materials for uh, containing the electricity and, or fuels and uh, the structure itself. But the operation would be so much cheaper. So we're entering in a potential era of almost unlimited energy uh, the idea of scarcity is really quite um, deceptive in many ways because there is no scarcity when there's demand because innovation creates resource. Uh, John Nodds proposed that hydrogen atoms inside a cashmere cavity could appear to produce refractional states. Nodds said that the relativistic state could appear fractional. The cashmere cavity is more of a local vacuum fluctuations are depleted. In 2007, Ron Burgoyne published a article, Inverse Quantum Mechanics of the Hydrogen Atom, showing the general wave equation QED predict exactly the 137 fractional states claimed by Dr. Randall Mills. Classic quantum mechanics states that hydrogen in a free space exists at the minimal ground state. The ingredients of fusion are um, deuterium, tritium, and isotopes of helium. Electrons are shared between the atoms. So basically, when you talk about fusion, uh, you can you can have deuterium and helium-3, and they will uh, create proton with a 14.7 uh, million electric volt, and he helium-4 at 3.7 million electric volt, at plus um, uh, 18.4 million electric volt, which is the which is mass converted to energy. So fusion's potential for generating electricity is just amazing. Uh, it just can't you just can't even grasp in your mind how much electricity that fusion could generate <clears throat> uh, based on the mass matter to energy conversion. Now, they did build a crossfire fusion reactor. This is a different, it's not a um, high temperature, very dangerous uh, um, reactor uh, like a 
uh, Talmac, which was abandoned by MIT, and most of the the modern world does not believe that the high energy, high temperature fusion reactors uh, will work. Um, but I found that uh, the crossfire fusion reactor is very interesting research, and I I do see some potential possibly here. But I my my key interests again are the thorium reactors and the low energy nuclear reactors. Those two reactors are my primary targets uh, of interest. But the um, the crossfire reactor uh, is interesting. Um, I think if you could mine helium-3 from the moon, bring it back to Earth uh, through, let's say, Tesla satellite, um, X, X uh, space craft, and uh, then you could produce uh, energy from the helium-3 and then market that and get a profit from it, uh, you could have a sustaining cycle that could be created where we're using helium-3 uh, fusion reactions to produce almost an unlimited amount of energy. Just energy um, that would be almost at a planetary level uh, would be so, so great. Okay, so cross-fusion uh, reactors, electrons go to the ground and positive ions are accelerated in an electrostatic way against the negative potential, meaning little power is required to reach a great kinetic energy, 600 uh, kilowatt volts for the borean hydrate. The cross-fire reactor uses a superconductor magnet, 4.5 tesla, to focus confinement. A superconducting magnet uh, for exhausting plasma, a dielectric mirror for reflecting electromagnetic waves back to the plasma. Plasma positive ion will attract electrons for neutralizers. The system receives energy from plasma, allowing the flux of electrons from ground to positive potential. The system will transfer energy to plasma, pulling electrons from the ground to the negative potential. Um, so that's how it works. And, uh, you have, you could take, uh, 1 million metric tons of helium three, react it with, uh, detritium, as I previously stated, uh, that would build, that would generate, uh, 20,000 terawatts years of thermal energy. Just amazing. Uh, about 25 Tons of helium-3 would power the United States for one year at our current rate of energy consumption. So you're talking uh, roughly 96 quads of energy per year. Um, and uh, so you could take uh, uh, helium-3 mined from the moon and uh, it would, in just mere tonnages, uh, portions extracted out, maybe process it on the moon, uh, and bring it back to Earth, and just produce this phenomenal power source. Uh, Mark Soups builds a small fusion reactor that uses deuterium gas as a fuel. The reactor puts out thirty thousand volts for with a negligible amount of radiation. The reactor is zero sum and not a golden reactor, but it does demonstrate potential. 
Helium-3 deteriorates into tritium. Helium-3 represents 0.0002% of all helium. World demand for helium-3 is 76,000 liters per year, whereas U.S. demand is 8,000 liters. Could you mine uh, moon rocks with rob- robots to extract helium-3 for fusion reactors on Earth? Yeah, definitely you could. Uh, just uh, You just have to build the economic case uh, for it. Um, it's just interesting to see, like, um, also how Europe's reacting to shell gas. And if I were to ask, I w- if I were to speculate on which technology in the last decade has been the most impactful for energy production, I would say it would be shell gas extraction. Um, It has just been such a game changer for the idea that we're going to run out of energy. Uh, It's just keeps, keeps to sustaining that even as we deplete one well, uh, that newer technologies through robots, um, are allowing us to extract even more of the oil that we were not able to extract the first time. And so it's just uh, we're just getting more uh, energy that is being extracted from these resources. European shell gas may have altered the geostrategic balance between Russia and Europe. And that's very important that Europe is not dependent on Russian oil. Uh, Russian military expansionism combined with Chinese expansionism is a concern. U.S. foreign policy is designed to restrict uh, Russian and Europe expansion, and so that will affect uh, energy dependency uh, relationships between Europe and Russia, especially if Russia becomes more aggressive, then that could threaten their natural gas and uh, oil export imports, which they depend on from Russia. Shell gas has uh, recoverable reserves in Poland, Germany, Hungary, Romania, and and, uh, experts estimate that 500 trillion cubic feet of shell gas exist in Europe. Poland is the most promising country because it has the largest shell gas reserves. Europe receives most of its natural gas from Siberia, Russia. Um, so in that, um, in that sense, uh, things have to change there. Um, I wanted to talk a, a little bit about um, some other technologies that were kind of interesting. These are different articles that I had read about and gathered some information on um, that I found kind of interesting. Uh, one uh, one that I want to talk about is uh, Canada um, oil sands. We just briefly talked about that just a second ago with Utah. 
Canada is looking to China to help extract oil from its tar sands. The move comes as America firms are turning away from tar sands because of the heavy carbon footprint. That's been the big concern is the, the carbon footprint. Uh, Petro China has taken the 60% stake in two new tar sand projects due to get underway at the McKay River and Dover's next year, which will be 2011, with plans to produce up to 35,000 barrels a day by 2014 and eventually 500,000 barrels a day. The Pentagon is also scaling down this use of tar sand oils to meet a 2007 law requiring U.S. government to source fuels with lower green gas emissions. In 2010, Shell announced it was scaling back its expansion plans for tar, tar sands. Shell has invested almost one-third of its resources in extracting oil from tar sands and produces 155,000 barrels a day. However, Shell has reported it would be scaling down production over concerns of high cost. BP is expanding production, taking a 50% stake in the Sunrise Project and looking to buy a major share in the company called uh, Value Creation. BP must comment to its shareholders about the cost of carbon price. Expecting more Chinese investment in resource and energy sectors, Canada is the biggest source of U.S. oil imports. I don't know why we need to import oil from Canada. We should, unless we're, we have some sort of relationship with Canada that requires us to do that. Uh, why do we need to import lumber from Canada when we have American trees? Why do we need to import uh, oil from Canada when we have Utah tar sands? It's very baffling. Canada is the biggest source of U.S. oil imports, 65% of tar sand production going to refineries in the Midwest. Midwest refineries become larger to meet increased production demands. Water consumption and carbon footprint have become a tense issue. The curbing of the fossil fuels has failed. There will be more cars on the road in the near future globally. Large-scale global expansion of unconventional oil extraction is ready to happen. Unconventional crude is generally thicker, heavier, thicker, and more difficult to extract. The resources must undergo an intensive refining process before it flows smoothly in pipelines. All this emits a lot of carbon. Extracting, refining, combusting a barrel of oil... Uh, there produces 85% more green gas gases than conventional crude. Uh, IE estimates high carbon oil sands, oil shell, extra heavy crude will account for 11% of the global oil production by 2030. Um... Again, I want to talk more on uh, on um, uh, Shell Oil. The Midwest regions import over 1 million barrels of refined product a day from the Gulf. The U.S. imports 13 million barrels of crude oil and petroleum products a day. Um, 
Canada oil sands developed in the U.S. is expected to generate 342,000 new jobs. Oil sands help represent as much as two-thirds of the world's um, could represent as much as two-thirds of the world's petroleum sources. That should be happening. Uh, the, I think the move towards um, uh, fracking because of its uh, contamination of the water supply, uh, things like that, um, environmentally are not uh, become questionable, uh, should then cause a move towards these tar sands. Tar sands um, extraction of oil is cheaper and safer and they're more abundant. The Orico tar sands in Venezuela have a mean estimated recoverable value of 513 billion barrels. Oil sands imports are expected to reach 3 million barrels a day by 2020 and it's possibly as much as 6.3 million barrels by 2035. Oil refineries using hydrogen to improve the quality of crude. Enough hydrogen is produced to fuel more than 30 million hydrogen uh, vehicles. And uh, that's that's going to be an emerging trend in the next decade. It's much more hydrogen production is going to be required. And uh, it will be produced from uh, natural gas and possibly even from uh, tar sand oils. The petroleum industry could provide the hydrogen infrastructure. Uh, you know, right now they're looking to the company, car companies like Nikola, Toyota, uh, Tesla possibly to, pro uh, to produce the hydrogen infrastructure, but the petroleum companies could produce the hydrogen infrastructure. Currently there are 122 uh, hydrogen refueling stations. I think now um, that was in 2010, but to today, I think there's at least that in California for the Mariah, Mariah which means future for the Toyota fuel cell car. Um, and uh, as Nikola and Toyota partner to produce uh, fuel cell semis with 1,000-mile ranges, um, we could see more usage of or more implementation um, of hydrogen f refilling stations and it would make sense for the petroleum companies to get involved and start participating that way also. Okay, the Mark Celius shell is a large layer shell extending from New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, in some places measures 900 feet thick. Marcellus shell layer is sedimentary rock in the Appalachian Basin. The Marcellus shell has 50 trillion cubic feet of gas with $1 trillion in value. Uh, 26.5 standard cubic feet of gas per cubic rock foot of rock. Estimates range as high as 363 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. The U.S. uses 23 trillion cubic feet of natural gas a year. To get to the gas, drillers are using horizontal drilling and high-pressure water mixed with other chemicals and sand to blast the shell, blast it at the shell to cause the fracturing. The fractured water is pumped back out, stored, and treated. The water is not safe for reuse and must be con uh, contained. 
In Pennsylvania, limits have been placed in preventing drillers from dumping too much fractured waste into the community waste treatment plants. The plants have been overwhelmed and do not have the capability to deal with the complex chemistry of the hydrofract fluid. In 2010, um, 286 Marcellus wells had been drilled in Bedford County. Chesapeake had paid $300 million in lease bonuses and royalties since 2008 in the county. Over $1.1 billion in payouts had occurred statewide. Chesapeake had paid $94 million in 2010 to repair and pave 300 miles of road. Hydraulic fracturing requires up to 3 million uh, gallons of water per treatment. See, fr hydraulic fracturing has to be re be replaced with tar sand extraction. It just has to because there's, uh, this much water usage per day is not sustainable. Over 15,000 uh, gallons of chemical waste can result from 3 million uh, gallons used in the treatment. In 2008, Six wells in Bedford were contaminated with natural gas from the drilling. Other wells uh, have been without incident. So it's not every well that's contaminated. Um, I want to talk about the um, terror wave technology. I think that was, uh, we kind of briefly talked on that one earlier about spent fuel recycle uh, requirements. And uh, I noticed in my notes that I, I had uh, um, spent some time thinking about TerraWave processing and how that process worked. Um, okay, I wanted, before I get to that, um, going back to this black light and uh, Hyperion power module, I've got a note here that Hyperion uh, power market's goal is 4,000 fusion-generated power units. A nuclear battery. Each unit would produce uh, seven, 70 megawatts or um, enough to power 20,000 homes. The units are 1.5 meters wide by 2.5 meters tall. Very small, very small. The cost uh, is $25 million for each 25 to 30 uh, million watt a reactor. Uh, for getting oil from Shell, heat instead of natural gas is used. Hyperion offered a 70% reduction in operating costs from $11 per million BTU for natural gas to $3 million for BTU by Hyperion. Over five years, um, a single Hyperion could save $2 billion in operating costs in heavy oil fields. So again, that's pretty interesting. Okay, now I'm on to the terror wave. And I think this is probably where I'm going to stop. Uh, terror wave reactor core reactor life is 60 years. These reactors are so self-sustaining. 
They produce so much electricity um, and they burn up spent fuel. It's just amazing we don't invest more uh, billions of dollars more into their technology. They're such a great way to get rid of all this spent fuel and produce clean electricity as a byproduct. The Terry reactor is large scale, low risk, affordable electricity. Fuel supply issues are eliminated in the design because it uses spent fuel uh, waste disposal. The waste disposal issues and transportation are eliminated by design. The reactors have zero biohazard risk. The reactor is turned on and turned off through automation, no operator control actions. The reactor is thermostatically regulated by automation. Uh, 10TWE uh, of electricity are predicted from the TerraWave design. What is the vision of TerraWave? TerraWave power burns uranium-238, uh, burning 99% of the waste. Traveler Wave reactor breeds the fuel. Spent uranium could power the U.S. for hundreds of years. China, Russia, and India will need to switch their electric generation to TerraWave. TerraWave will have the greatest impact on the lives of billions. <clears throat> so there you have it. We have, uh, there's quite a bit of uh, more to discuss on uranium. Um, I think I'm going to wait and talk uh, more on that in a future time.